Your property podcast comes to you with thanks to our friends at Trafalgar Square Finance, leading independent specialists in mortgages and all types of property finance. Whether it's buy-to-let, development or bridging finance, Trafalgar Square can help you organise your funding for your next property project. Exclusively to listeners of Your Property Podcast, Trafalgar Square offer a free one-to-one consultation. So whether you are a portfolio landlord looking to raise funds on your existing portfolio, or if you're just starting out and want to find out if you are eligible for a buy-to-let mortgage, Trafalgar Square Finance can help. It's easy to book with one of their experienced consultants by simply visiting yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash finance. You can find this link in the show notes for more details. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Kearns, and with us today, we've got Stuart Scott and Carly Houston. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. It's great to have you both on. Uh, longtime friends of YPN and personally known Carly for uh, a number of years back in the back in the day when we were just starting out. And I saw both of you on the on the circuit, you know, getting your portfolios up and running and um, and just being, you know, really inspiring in the property education world. Uh, so it's great to now be working with you guys and having you on board in the uh, YPN magazine. And obviously we're doing the podcast today and we'll be doing other things in the new year going forward. So it's exciting times. Um, and the reason that you know we are working with you guys, um, one of the reasons amongst many, is that your niche that you, uh, you know, you're focused on is apart hotels. So we're going to be talking about apart hotels. Uh, for some people, for, you know, people listening, they might not know what an apart hotel is. Um, so should we start there? What yes. is apart hotels? <laughs> that's that's a good one. Do you want to do that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that one. I mean, if you think about apart hotels as a, a sort of hybrid between an apartment in a hotel <laughs> so hence the word apart hotel so it's it's um, in terms of how it operates as a business it's really about taking a lot of the a lot of the sort of business model if you like of serviced apartments and and hotels and, and doing a hybrid but it's quite it's quite a broad de- definition it can be interpreted in lots of different ways it can be a real sliding scale. So you can think about it as a, a sort of relatively small block of apartments that you're running like AC, you're kind of running a bit like a hotel, but they're sort of separate apartments. You could call that an apart hotel, right up to huge complexes that have restaurants and reception areas and even abroad, you might have like swimming pools and stuff like that. So there really is this uh, sort of massive um, scale. And then our kind of interpretation and our model of it is, is, is sort of like taking, um, and we'll be going into this a bit uh, in a bit more detail, where we're we're sort of in the sort of smaller sectors, but it could be units from anywhere from sort of 10 to 25, 30 units, where we're really, where we're really kind of making it quite a hybrid. So we're using the hotel kind of operating systems, but we're doing a kind of room-only model, if you like. So that so some of the units might be um similar sizes to some hotel rooms, but we're putting extra facilities in them to make them more self-contained. 
but it, we've got multiple units um, in, in a single building and we're running it almost like sort of service accommodation where you have guest self-check-in, we're using software, smart technology, we maybe don't have a reception on site. So we're not, we've not got um, other moving parts. We're sort of taking out a lot of the inefficiencies that hotels might have, trying to operate restaurants yeah. and all of that. So very, very much that hybrid, but really taking the, best bits of both of those business models uh, and bringing them together to create that sort of streamlined uh, business model. And also the other part that, that Cody mentioned there is the underlying principle that we are utilising a use class that is not affected by upcoming legislation because <clears throat> we're talking about these blocks of, of units in a building. And do you remember when you first got introduced to HMOs years ago and it was single lets, okay? And people would just do buy single lets one by one. And then you found out you could buy a house. And you could put multiple people renting in a house. Okay, so you have more density. You have multiple people in one house. Well, the great thing about the part hotels is a bit like the same analogy for HMOs, because whereas people were buying individual SA units, flats and apartments, now we've got buildings where we can have multiple in one building. Now, if you were in pure residential, you'd have to stick to space standards. We don't. And the reason we don't is because we are utilizing a new use. Well, not sorry, not a new use class, new to many people in the SA industry, which is C1. It's been around for years, guest houses, B&Bs, hotels. The C1 use class gives us a lot of mechanisms to be able to get more density in buildings. So Carly mentioned about the self-containment. We can have studios, studio spaces that are as small as 10, 15 square meters, but yet we could have suites that are 20, 30 square meters. It's a huge opportunity for abilities to 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 have lower overheads and be more competitive with a wider range of unit sizes. And yeah, by having those multiple units in a single building, you really can take advantage of the scales of economy. So if you've got an SA business, you know, and it's a it's a great complement to having an existing SA business or to maybe stepping that SA business up. But it's like you can get those sales of economy where if you've got sort of um, different SA units dotted around the city, you know, actually mm. having multiple units in a single building, you can get some scales of economy there as well. So, so yeah. it's just really, really looking at kind of taking those best bits from the, the different business models. Yeah. And the reason is that you can have smaller units and more density because it's nobody's permanent residence. No one's living exactly. there. Absolutely. Yeah. These are uh, not residential. Yeah, um, exactly. We're not, we're not talking. I mean, obviously I see, you know, um, you know, you've you've got that ability that could switch back to Resi, which you know yeah. that and that's fine. Um, but this is very much you're you're working within a building that's that's never going to be residential. It has never been residential because we're converting uh, buildings that already exist as like sort of C one, so they're they're within a, di a different use class anyway. So we're not looking to to have to to switch them back at any point. We're we're we're, mm. we're operating within that class already exists. and actually because we're optimizing that space in a way that you would do with hmos you optimize space as sex sex and prison because we're optimizing space within the this use class it means that our for example our cost of sale is lower so we are we are more competitive than a one bed flat or a two bed flat that's competing against us in, a, in any given market because our because of the volume of the space we're able to be more effective with the space yeah so it's like uh, taking a Venn diagram of service accommodation and hotels and where it overlaps yeah. in the middle is is a part of hotels. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. And and exactly. you know that and that that's the opportunity 
Um, but the key to master that opportunity is to really understand how to safely and securely navigate the world of C1 use class. And it is very different than commercial than residential. So we're talking about, you know, differing planning. But are you talking about uh, a strategy whereby you target existing uh, C1 properties? So existing B&Bs, guest houses or hotels, and then upgrading them rather than, I suppose, converting a a residential house or you know yes. a, a different property yeah absolutely again coming back to the word, key word here opportunity we do work with a number of people who are converting a commercial and converting across into them and that is absolutely an opportunity at the moment however the biggest opportunity right now is one where you don't have to go through planning permission <laughs> because we all know how stressful planning permission is and and you're managing risk you know the reality is that you've got guest houses bnbs and hotels that are already in the correct planning classification, okay? And, and in anything you do within the gross internal area of the building, the GIA, the gross internal area, you don't need planning permission to utilize whatever you're going to do within there. And you don't need to stick to any space standards because remember, you're not doing, you're not creating residential. It's not 37 square meters for a one bed flat because you're not creating a one bed flat. So you're reducing your risk and costs at each point. So yes. you already take an existing one and also future-proofing it by, um, you know, you, you don't need to worry about the future legislation in the same way as exactly. uh, other strategies would. So yeah. fully supported by the council. But I mean, you know, when <clears throat> you saw this a lot when the market really slowed down at the back of COVID because, of course, there was, you remember, there were the grants and all the other stuff that came out, you know, so... It's hospitality that the C1 use class and all the guest houses, B&Bs, hotels, they are supported by uh, the tourism boards and also the councils. True. In terms of the guest profile then, so people who are staying in these apart hotels, uh, the appeal is it's self-contained more than just a hotel would, would be. So is it uh, comparable in the rates that you can charge Um and to let's say a normal hotel but people are getting more for their money or um yeah so it's it's like we look to when we're sort of like doing our revenue management we call it when you're kind of looking at your rates and how you set your prices and stuff like that we're very much looking to both the hotel market and the sort of airbnb um, yeah. short stay because we're we're wanting to again it's that hybrid so we look to both so we very much look at hotel data where if you're in the sort of more in the sort of traditional AC market you're not necessarily look, looking at hotel data so we are competing with hotels as as well as competing with okay. some service apartments because you know because some of our units sleep um more people you know, so some units sleep two people some units sleep four some will sleep six so you're so so it's really when you're looking at the market, you're really looking at when someone comes to visit this location, what what are their options for where they can stay? And so you are in competition for where, wherever they can stay. Now, what's interesting about our model is that the in terms of that question on the guest profile, is that it, you know, it is people that maybe don't necessarily want the traditional hotel model they want the convenience of self-check-in they don't want to stand in a queue at reception and remember that queue at the, <laughs> the hotel to name michelle i think we saw you oh, yeah. that for a while um so you know they, they don't want that experience they they want the, the the convenience of the kind of airbnb but they still like the idea of it being a hotel if that makes sense and 
the, the landscape vastly changed since COVID. So we were already on this trajectory towards a contactless check-in, like that convenience. So there was a lot of people going down that route and obviously Airbnb uh, service accommodation model had a huge, played a huge part in that. But pre-COVID, you still had those people that just, they wanted the personal touch. They wanted to go to a traditional mm -hmm. guest house and meet the owners and chat to them and all of that. Oh, oh they want to English. Oh, they want to feel like oh, they, they want, want to, to sit down and, and to be yeah. fair sometimes when i travel i want to yeah, yeah. English, so, you know. they want you know and they want yeah they want the breakfast and everything like that because they're just attached to that traditional model so there's a lot of people that were like that but then because of covid even the people that were like that they completely changed and and obviously you had it was it came about by people like safety and people not wanting to come in contact with people because they were obviously uh, fearful of of catching covid but then obviously people realized well, this is actually a lot more convenient as well. And then actually from a business model point of view, it, you've also got the advantage of like, oh, actually people are not so bothered about having a breakfast and that's actually a sort of unprofitable part of the business. And we'll look in that, you know, that space that we were having to put aside for giving people breakfast actually can be another unit of accommodation. And, oh, actually I can reduce my staffing costs because people can work remotely. So you've got that combination of it actually mm. working really well together because you've got the changing guest profile because people want different things and they value different things. And then you've actually got the fact that it's a much more... Um, mm lighter you know streamlined uh model um for for actually your operations and keeping those costs down and also thinking about that 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 tenant profile as well if you if you imagine the kind of like the <clears throat> service accommodation industry at the moment where where most most stock is sat on c3 residential that means that it's been defined by c3 residential the space standards the sizes everything because if it's been sat inside one bed flats two bed flats three bed flats well, all of its sizing and spacing and everything and standards all been dictated by effectively C3 residential, which is kind of what the government is addressing at the moment. Mm. So really, you know, what <clears throat> what the apart hotel model allows us to do is utilize, have a bit more freedom in how we can maximize the spaces for the business model. That makes sense. And it, going back to the guest profile then, because <clears throat> hotels, you've got, you know lots of tourists coming and staying uh you do have contractors staying in hotels however I, I don't think many of them are very happy because they you know if they're standing for staying for an extended period of time yeah. a couple of weeks really they don't want to be out you know getting takeaways they can't cook uh yeah. they can't relax in the same way as they yeah. would in an airbnb so you've got that and then with the airbnb space or service accommodation space uh, it does tend to suit longer term contractors. Yep. So where does apart hotels fit in with We, we are in that sweet spot between the two. Well, and, and also it's you, you when you're doing your market research, and this is what we teach people to do, is like the market research element is really important. So you do your market research, you you know what your market is, and then you can tailor you're a part hotel to fit the market that you're targeting. Mm. So if you're in a more tourist area, you, what you put in the part hotel might be different to if you were targeting the longer stay, the contractor market. So if you were doing, if you knew you were operating in a location and that was the, that was the, the who you wanted to target, then you might put more facilities in, you might make the units a bit bigger. You, you know, you make sure that you actually, um, you actually, you know, um, create your product in line with the market that you want to attract. So, and that's the beauty of it. There's a lot of flexibility. If you're, you know, if you know that it's tourist, you you maybe won't put 
as many facilities in or if you're really near to a load of cafes and restaurants. But absolutely, there's still an opportunity to go for the contractor market and get those skills of economy and really streamline it, but just making sure that you you are you are actually um, catering to their needs. So that's all about the the market research, which is which is the first thing we teach people to do, which underpins the the whole thing and that you can't miss that step out, you know, yeah. as much as people don't like so we, doing research. So we've got we've got the the part hotel model is more of a more of a blank canvas for us to be able to adapt the buildings <clears throat> in a way that we adapt buildings for HMOs. We do it based on dem- whether it's co-living, whether it's high quality, whether it's leasing, different ways we do it with HMOs. Well, with the part hotels, we're again taking that, you know, we've got suites that sleep six and uh, groups of friends and colleagues and contractors. We've got different configurations on beds, different levels of kitchenettes and facilities that go in there. All these things are completely definable by understanding the local market. Yeah, it's, it's called like sort of guest segmentation. You know, you, you end up using a, lot, a, a more kind of hotel jargon when you're kind of going into this. And and it really is about, you know, just understanding uh, your market and what the needs and wants are of each uh, demographic. Yeah, just starting with the demand mm-hmm. and work backwards from there. And you mentioned about HMOs. So there's, you know, number one, one of the number one rules, rules of HMOs is uh, don't mix the tenant profiles. You wouldn't have... <clears throat> you know, people who are necessarily on benefits with professionals or students all in the same house. Does that apply here or is there more flexibility? Um, Could you have a longer term contractor with the people who are on holiday next door? I think there's um, probably a bit more flexibility. I mean, I think that it's going to be, a lot of it will be dictated by location and stuff as well. So you, I think there, there, there can be certain places where there, there could be crossover and because, you know, you've got sort of self-contained units, they're not necessarily mixed with each other, but of course, if, if you had something which was in like a very high tourist kind of hotspot and it was a very central location, well, that, you know, that, that might be a bit of a party place or whatever, that might not work well for contractors that are, are, are looking to have a quieter time. But at the same time, having said that, there's going to be places where there's a, a great crossover because... Um, you know, it might be that co- it really suits contractors during the week, but it, it's suitable yeah. for a lot of uh, like um, guests at the weekend. So I, I wouldn't say that it's the same way. And, uh, and, yeah, it's and also, the, how you say it up. De- dealing with different parts of the year as well. So, for example, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, you know, most people can fill a one bed, two bed flat during the summer, but when winter hits, it's a different kettle of fish. Now, if you've got a, a broader range of unit types in in the building and in the part hotels, some of our units are smaller. You know, we might have a studio space that's 10, 15 square meters with kitchenette and full facilities in there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's highly competitive when you hit the winter season in a way because we're, we're clearly not paying a cleaning cost that you're paying for a one to two bed flat. Mm-hmm. So our, our scales of economy within the buildings allow us to be far more competitive in different parts of the seasons, mm-hmm. especially the shoulder seasons and the winter seasons as well. Um, and like I say, you know, that 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 all feeds into uh, the value of the business and that value of the business will feed into the, the valuation and, and the numbers, the cash flow and the amount of money you leave in the deal. Do you guys have a personal preference on the guest profile or is it a case of actually if you've got a property in a location where there's a mix of holidaymakers and longer term contractors that actually that is better for a business model longer term well we've taken a blended approach definitely yeah. on ours because we have like we have got a mix of unit types and yeah. you know we we weren't sure originally when we when we first launched ours we had some what we call micros so we have u- some units in there and some of them are micros 
Uh, now you would imagine that oh you know they'd be you know we're talking like 10 square meter little studio little sub small tokyo style micro units and you know we weren't sure how they were going to perform because thinking you know all the big ones with the sea views and all the other stuff will be the ones that would go first but actually that's not been the case the, the micros are very very popular they're at the back of the building and they're little micro units yeah so it's sort of like you know that's just sort of different group sizes and, and thinking mm. about that in terms of like having a preference on a guest profile whether you're going for the contract market or the leisure market I mean you can take a couple of different approaches with that you could you know you know because ultimately you want to be creating a business that you believe in and, and and building that business and that's really really important so you know you might come from a place of going well I really want to provide great uh, accommodation to the leisure market so then you would look to a location that's going to support that or you might come from the view of this is a location that I want to invest in therefore what's the market there and adapt to that so you can you can take slightly different approaches I mean our, our, ours you know do cater more for the leisure market and that's to do with the location but that doesn't we do get some contractor market but but we've geared it more to that because that's what the market that we're in uh, demands but absolutely then other people there you know we're working with people in other other locations that are very much targeting the contractor or the corporate market and then then it's just all about um uh like catering to that but i, I think like we're the, the, and as Stuart said he talked about the seasonality so it's really around what you're looking to achieve is is really um yeah. the key is to try and get an all-round market so whether that is it's such a popular place that you've got an all-round leisure market, which obviously those uh, places exist, or or you've got an all-round contract market. Then that's you know you're getting your your mm -hmm. full uh, your full year's market from the from the same tenant type yeah. uh, guest type, or if not, you're looking at how you adapt in the different seasons and how you make sure that you are catering to to different groups. Okay. Uh Right. I mean, it's it sounds like the perfect hybrid because a lot of people, when they come into this service accommodation world, they think I have to decide between do I dress the rooms and do I invest in this as if it's a yeah. leisure, you know, holiday market or is it contractors? Because they're two very different guest profiles. Whereas if you've got multiple units, you've got more flexibility, you can mix and match. So, yeah, I mean, yes. we I mean, the product side of things um, just talk about the product itself you know we we were of the mind that when we when we launched the uh first one then then second apart hotel we 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 did campaigns outreach campaigns to contractors and leisure and all of them you know we did all of the marketing on on all channels uh to appeal to all of them but we um the product was a, a high impact product that we we wanted to very photogenic we knew it was going to be getting into the magazines we knew it would get pr and press because that we, that that was part of we wanted to get into the the stuff that was on the, the you know the the what you call it the the times and the guardian and all the ones because people will read them and then they want to stay in the location so we wanted to do that as part of doing that but the regardless of whether we would go to contract to market or 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 whether it would be leisure market it had to be a high quality product yeah not necessarily high end but a high quality product so uh, I think the importance of creating a product in any competitive market, any competitive. I mean, you've 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 seen this with the, with the SA stuff that you've been doing, and also with the HMO market. There is always competition, so you've got to have a way to deal with competition, and you've got to maintain occupancy and demand. And the best way to do that is to make sure you have a, uh, a good quality product that you're offering to the market. Yeah, I like the distinction between 
uh, high end and high quality. So yeah, well, um, high end sometimes when I, I, I sometimes if you use the word high end, there's an implication that it's super expensive mm -hmm. or it costs you a lot. Whereas high quality um, is is in line with the deal as opposed to just overspending. Yeah, and, and there's a place for obviously high-end apartment yeah. deals as well. And, and that's all, again, down to the, the market and the market research. Yeah. And, you know, we've certainly got students that are targeting that yeah. high-end and want it, yeah. you know, because you, you, you know, you've got different ways. And if there is a market for that, people will pay over what the the sort of market average is if they are getting a high-end product so so again if that was what your passion was and that's the, the business you wanted to build you would yeah. need to like find the, the location that that's going to work and make sure that you actually provide the service that that's going to require yeah. as well you've got to you've got to stand out in, in any crowded market yeah. you've got to stand out and um the different the big difference with service accommodation is you are measured so quickly <laughs> so you know if someone stays a weekend they're not happy it goes on TripAdvisor you know so it's not like a it's not like a HMO where you kind of get a feel whether people like things or don't like them after a while you're getting quite a quite a quick feedback loop from SA yeah I'm sure okay so let's say we've got listeners thinking this sounds perfect uh how do I get into it would you say this is a strategy that uh you know is suitable for newbies or is it for people who've got you know chunk of cash and they're just looking to invest it in something that's going to be more um you know higher profit than perhaps hmo well i mean the first thing is to um upskill yourself and educate yourself on understanding the strategy and the use class because if you're if you're in service accommodation at the moment or you're thinking of going into service accommodation learning about Art hotels and learning about the opportunity so that you can take advantage of <clears throat> when the change happens with legislation that's important to understand the marketplace so one of the most important things i think if you're interested in service accommodation or diversifying within service accommodation into part hotels is to upskill your knowledge into those areas of course you, we, we've got a set of webinars coming up with with YPN, which are going to cover exactly this. We'll be spare, you know, we'll have webinars going specifically into the use class and the and the planning opportunities there. And I think with any any business model, any sort of property strategy that you want to get into, it's all going to be very dependent on your personal circumstances. You know, so so you know, like this sort of term, okay, complete newbie or not. It, it really depends what your resources are, what what time you've got, what other um, experiences you've got as to what's going to be right for you. You know, if you're if you're in a situation where you're completely new and you've got to you you must get start generating cash flow within a really short space of time then it's probably not the place to start because you know if you're if you're wanting to to do that then you might go down the rent to rent route or you know doing anything where like any business model where you're buying and developing and, and obviously there's lots of creative ways where you don't necessarily need to do that and we, we utilize that a lot and teach people that a lot but you you've got to think about well, what's your circumstances what's what is your priorities and then that that's going to define there's going to be lots of places that you are better for you to start than other places um but you could be new and have really great business experience um have the time have resources where you don't need to generate um that cash flow within the next three months you know and uh, you know so it's absolutely dependent on everyone's individual circumstances as, as to what's 
which business model is right for them to start with. So there's not a kind of definite, or if you're in this situation, don't, like, this isn't right for you. Or and also, right and you. also, you know, when we when we built our apart hotels, we didn't use any of our own money. Yeah. So we didn't, it was so, you know, not having the funds wasn't a restricting factor on it. You know, we worked with private investors and we funded, you know, we we used creative finance uh, solutions to, to or approaches. Um, and so we, both of our apart hotels um, have used none of our own money at all. So, you know, again, that's a really great strategy for being able to utilize it. And, you know, in the, in the current market at the moment, you have to factor in interest rates. <clears throat> so, of course, that's where creative finance comes in because lots of ways you can minimize some of those costs to make the deal stack. Okay, so I don't, I haven't done any of your training. Uh, however, just from this conversation and what I know about kind of B&Bs and guest houses, you know, as it stands today, it does seem like this is quite a unique window of opportunity with tired B&Bs and guest houses, etc. Smaller yes. hotels that are independently run uh, because there are a lot of, you know, people who are perhaps looking to retire, yeah. they haven't invested in their properties and these properties are sitting there on the market. I drive past them all the time when I yeah. go into town and yeah. granny so chic think i think they're called yeah. granny chic shabby chic, shabby <laughs> chic <Exactly>. granny chic <laughs> incredible so they so do you think that this is a unique window of opportunity that actually you know in let's say a couple of years will be saturated or do you think that there's an opportunity for people who actually they don't really want the hotel the traditional hotel model like the big corporate ones and actually they prefer to move into this space so actually it's a well there's definitely a timing there's definitely a timing thing here because we know the legislation is coming from the government specifically to deal with the C3 residentials being used in that way. Now, we don't, you know, we don't know exactly what's rolling out, but we know legislation is coming into the market. So that means that at the moment, you've got a situation where you've got, as you mentioned, uh, guest houses, B&Bs and hotels, every town and city across the UK that are that are available some of them are on the market some of them are, a lot of them are off the market uh where they haven't even decided to sell yet and they're not being targeted in the same way by investors uh like you might get with other strategies so there's definitely a window of opportunity but this window of opportunity is mainly around the fact that most of the sa market has not been looking at this yet so that window that might be for the next year or two is really an opportunity to probably negotiate some of and and work with some of these sites, some of the and utilize some of these existing C1 guest houses, B&Bs, hotels before it becomes more competitive to effectively negotiate them. At the moment, we are in a window of opportunity where you're not really up against very many people, which gives you more flexibility on negotiation. Yeah, and, it's, and then the mar the market the way it is as well. You know, you know properties aren't necessarily flying off the, the shelves right now. So that creates more of an opportunity for negotiation, mm -hmm. for creative finance um, strategies like uh, purchase lease options, yeah. uh, vendor finance. So yeah. all of those are um, are like absolutely the tools that you can use to acquire these uh, properties um, at a lower um upfront cost yeah and get them up and running and stuff like that so there's lots of ways in which um you can kind of get into this 
you know, obviously the, the, you've got the traditional purchase and we teach that and, you know, and, and we work with investors to, to raise that money. But there's also, you can also go, go apps like, you know, get, there's a real opportunity with purchase these options as well. Within yeah. this, this so that's taking model. the world of rent to rent and going, actually, rather than rent to rent on one individual unit and then find another and then find another, suddenly you've got an entire portfolio of SA units mm. with lower overheads using effectively a rent to rent model if you like but you've got this option to execute and buy it at the optimum point point so you're you know you're still looking for those uh, circumstances where the owner has a problem that you're able to solve mm. with with your with what your your proposal and that they um because yeah a lot of these a lot of the people that do have these traditional guest houses are can might be elderly they might just want to stop you know, and, and, you know, they might be more likely to have another place that they move into. So they might be in a situation where they don't need the money right now, or they're only going to put that money in the bank and, you know, and you're able to, to actually give them some income and help them out and help them be able to step away. So, um, so, you know, just, I think we're coming in, I think there's, there's like, we've always got weight. I mean, obviously kind of creative finance solutions, things like purchase these options. There's always opportunities with those, but then you always have a set of circumstances which creates more opportunities. And I think we're very much coming into that at the moment with the interest rates, with the market that we is right now. The more favourable opportunities because of the buyer's market. And then you said yeah. about the <clears throat> changes in legislation, uh, you know, they are due to come in. So even if they are uh, let's say palatable and we can work with them <laughs> in the SA yeah. space actually yeah. just the fact that they'll come in will put off a lot of people and oh, some yeah. people won't be you know so that'll mean that there's more um demand for yeah. the C1 class Definitely. That's yeah. set up people, and that won't be affected yeah the people that are getting educated on AC like doing your training or whatever but and they're already doing it the people that are doing it properly are, are, are getting educated on it you know they'll be the ones that'll be more adaptable and there there, there will still be people that are going to be able to operate in the, mm. the SA market and and these you know the legislation that come in like certain locations are going to be affected more than others and um, so uh, obviously educating yourself is, a, is the number one thing to do but of course there will be the people that just that have just kind of been winging it that haven't they haven't educated themselves they're not really doing it properly and they're just going to go do you know what I'm off. Well, and also, there's going to be a lot of people in the SA market are going to leave, which then creates a massive opportunity for the people that stay in. So yeah. both the people that are staying and operate like your sort of traditional SA in the right way, and within yeah. a part of hotels, because the demand is not going to disappear, the guests no. are not going to disappear, but but the people but, but that the, are um, properly the... are, are going to be there to to get that extra business. But the landscape might change, and yes, there may be some planning. It may be planning use class changes, mm -hmm. but that may not be controversial everywhere. It might only be in certain parts of the UK. So you know, it depends. It depends what that legit, what that that kind of um, that playing field looks like. But but yeah, the actual the biggest opportunity is probably the thing that probably worries people most. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it will create that huge, huge opportunity on the other side of it. So we are very much looking forward to any legislation that comes in. Yes. <laughs> and we know that we're, where we are in Brighton, Brighton is going to be one of the places that, that, that does that. So we're, we're, we're going to be quite keen for that to happen because we're going to benefit along with the other SE operators that are doing it properly. I think I've got title for this podcast. Apart hotels, the perfect storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> There's so many things coming into play here. It's very interesting. I've not 
considered it through this strategy before. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's really exciting. Well, it's really an evolution of what what you know. This, the, the interesting thing about this as 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 a market is when we came into the market and we took the best of SA and we took the hotels and we and we have created these kind of like party hotels. One thing to bear in mind is you know the the use class was always there. It's always been there. The Hiltons, the Metropoles, you name it. They, you know they're they've always been here. It's just that we've never had to really look to that use class. Why would we? Because it's if, if everything else is unregulated, why would we need yeah. to? That's true. Well, then um, we were obviously always previously looking at, at guest houses thinking they would make brilliant HMOs. <laughs> you know, exactly, so yeah, doing like the other people, way around. Yeah, so a lot of people are going, oh, wouldn't yes. it be fabulous? Yeah. But then they, they got... Yeah, because I remember that, and I remember the first time I thought about, oh, using a B and B as an HMO, this is brilliant. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's not that, yeah. it's, it's but, not that easy. And it's not but, I have done it, but it's not that straightforward. But the but but some of the best benefits from a developer perspective and an investor perspective is really the the density bit. You know what attracts people from single lets to HMOs is really density. I know we've got mm. the product, we've got the community, we've got the, all the other stuff that we do on the other side, but there's a density part. That density is what make the, makes the numbers work, the cash flow and the business model. Well, actually, with Apart Hotels, we're working with a very similar thing with density. We are utilizing it. But the big difference here is we're doing density without planning permission. Yeah. We could, If we do density in HMOs and we do sewer generis, we've got to go through planning. Yeah. But we're working with density and having to, and we're mitigating the risk of even needing it to go through planning. So it, that's an even bigger upside that, again, wouldn't on the face of it be something you would have thought of. But in fact, it's a huge upside to it. Yeah. And obviously you're coming in with your uh, your own business model, your own values and and vision for what the company can do. So you're going to a market that is tired and run down and hasn't been invested in. And yeah. you're not only just working with the in, the intensity of the the place the density sorry the place but you're actually looking at adding value through uh the experience and therefore increasing the uh, yeah. the income on that property and then you're making the commercial valuation uh much more so i guess there's an element of uh, yeah there's a developer's margin on when you finished as yeah. well absolutely yeah so if you if you if you buy the right kind of buildings you add the right kind of number of units and you do all of what we do with the business model and the performance you are able to make uh, a developer's margin on the day that you, uh, as part of when you refinance and you go to terms. So there is there's a there is an upside beyond cash flow here, which yes. is into the developer uh, margin yeah. on the building. And it's you, sorry, go on. Oh, just to say that I think I interviewed you back in the day. It was Broad Street, wasn't it? When you would just done that one, and did you? uh after your first one did the penny drop then or has it taken a while well think, we oh, wow, this is like no one else is doing this well we did we did um we did i mean i, I got asked a lot actually uh, about a few people that were told about the journey of what we've done with part hotels and then because of the distance of what we did some people said oh i thought you would have you know bought some more part hotels in that distance and i was like well when we first met with you with you and we talked to you through um one board street and we talked to you about the first apart hotel for us personally we wanted to go end to end on the full distance to, to go all the way to refinance because anyone will lend you money to go in but you need the exit so we needed to know we could go all the way through create the operational data create the value of the building get to the term exit lending exit achieve the valuation we want so that we could recycle cash we wanted to go end to end before we bought the second apart mm -hmm. hotel because we felt that that was prudent and due diligence to fully test the model end to end and that's why we didn't actually acquire the second apart hotel to many years later 
but that's important because for people who are looking at let's say hmos they can come in they do the refurbishment <clears throat> and they are refinancing within could be six months yes maybe shorter because they've got the higher rental income to prove the commercial valuation if it's looking at sui generis for example yeah. but in this case with um serviced accommodations uh, yeah you are you are you got to remember this for longer we had we also did have covid in the middle of it as well so that that obviously sort of slowed (laughs) slowed things down so um but we navigated that really well and that was all because of the the business model and um so what's really interesting is like um you know we because we had like we obviously had finance with the bank and stuff at that point so you know the banks the banks were like speaking to all the businesses and stuff like that so I was having like quite a lot of conversations with our 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 bank uh, contact because you get quite a personal service when you're you're dealing with that kind of finance and and they were just like every time that they spoke to us, they were they're like, oh, it's so nice to speak to you because well, because we keep, I keep having conversations with other people who you know with other sort of like the traditional B and B owners, and they're just like all really suffering. And then they're like, oh, it's so nice to sort of have a relief to speak to someone yeah. that's actually not that's that's navigating it really well. And at the end, and it was they were having all sorts of really hard conversations with people that were losing their businesses. And then what, what was amazing was because of this model, we were able to just adapt to the whole uh, COVID situation, which again is has just like come um, proven the business model. So, you know, so that the, the, where the bank had never hadn't really, when they financed us, they, they were very unsure about, they'd never seen it really, that, that you know, they hadn't really seen the business model. And we were going, look, we're streamlining and they're going, oh, but it's a bit different. It's not really what we know. But then after COVID, they were like, okay, this is a really good business model. And then, you know, that, and we actually kind of ended yeah. up refinancing it afterwards. And then, but yeah, un- unlike, was, uh, yeah, unlike the traditional HMOs that you mentioned, you know, you are basically getting the business up and running, you're running the performance. And you're dictating the 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 value of the building yeah. based on the performance that you that you track. And the more performance, um, I mean data, the more data you have, operational data you have, the more you have, the better your valuation. So That's we delivered amount of, of data. Well, we, we waited deliberately and we we took yeah. advice directly from the valuers who value these kind of buildings. And we could have done it with less data, but they said to us, if you just add a bit more and a little bit more. We're going to use less where we we have to put we have to be pessimistic because if you estimate it has to be pessimistic. So the the more we could add, the stronger it was for our valuation. And so we actually pushed our valuation further and further out to get maximum extra extra kind of seasons in there so that we could drive that value up. But yeah, you you could be from a from a smaller amount, whether that's twelve months to eighteen months. But generally, we wanted at least a couple of years worth of books. Yeah, and it's like, again, there's lots of different ways you can do it and how you can structure the finance and do things in phases. You yeah, do, we're working. You can do yeah. like um, one refinance and another. So, so it's, it's very yeah. much in, in the financial landscape's changing all the time. Lenders' criteria is changing all the time. So it's very much about working with the broker, but knowing the right questions to ask and how you're going to present it. So, yeah. so you know, we, we very much teach people a kind of phased approach depending on depending on whether they're buying a going concern that, and they're going to operate for a while before they make changes or whether they're going to go in and, and do the development. And, you yeah. know, so there's lots of different ways of doing it. But then also for us, as Stuart said, like the holding off was not a problem because we we had investors, like long-term investors. So this is another important aspect. People worry about, oh, 
leaving money in or having to pay investors back but what what the way that we were viewing it is like how much value are we adding to this building and then it doesn't matter whether the debt you know like if we've not refinanced with the bank it doesn't really matter because we've got bank finance and we've got investor finance so it's still a blend it's really about how much value have we added and then what's our how 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 far are we leveraged with our debt compared to the value so having money left in if you like for longer wasn't an issue because we had long-term investors that frankly didn't want their money back and um and a business that's able to sustain that so it's um so you know sometimes it actually sometimes working with a blend of invested in in bank finance is a kind of better prospect and in fact our our second apart hotel we've got zero bank finance on that it's 100 investor debt that's on that and that because we got a better deal do working with investors in better terms uh, just use having a bit so we had an offer from the bank and we actually we're, no, no, we're just going to stick with private investors. So there's, you know, so it's if you if you sort of let go of that um, mindset of, oh, I've got to recycle money as fast as possible. I've got it's yeah. all about the deal, how it stacks up, what your yeah. debt ratio is to the value you've added, like what what opportunities there are, how how what phases yeah. you do it, and you 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 can just and just your mindset around and it. And there's and. Uh, so that's that's kind of the model how we we've done it but then you know we're also working with other people at the moment who are buying going concerns getting the getting the buildings up and going taking the quick wins getting the cash flow coming in and funding part of their refinance with the income coming in and then doing a further kind of set of works to the building after year one so again there are many creative ways and this is why i think if you sometimes just speak to a broker about this use class it can sometimes see quite quite complicated way of, of doing it but in fact what you actually learn the more more you kind of go deeper into the use class and understanding how to how to operate this this business model there are lots of clever ways that you can stagger things that require less money up front less money across the, the journey of it and different ways you can finance it and build up the experience and the track record with the banks there are ways that you can do that but it's all in the strategy well, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. I think we could be talking all day, but <laughs> it's uh, it seems like a good place there. So tell me about where can people find out more about uh, what's you know what you're up to on the social media. Um, yeah, if you if you just Google the co-living rev- uh, sorry not the co-living revolution, <laughs> the apart hotel revolution. So if you uh, yeah we've got our main website the apart hotel revolution, uh, or if on social media we'll be on the apart hotel revolution as well. So um, we're on there and we have a we're going to have a set of webinars we're going to be doing exclusively with YPN. So um, keep an eye out for emails from 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 YPN about those webinars, because we will be going into a, a lot of detail. We'll have a lot of slides. We'll have floor plans, a lot more information. So if you want to go deeper into this topic, I'd say keep an eye out for those those um, those YPN webinars that are coming up. Great. And of course, the articles in the magazine as well. So yep. we're everywhere. Fantastic. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, both yeah, of you. It's been really talk to you as always. Yeah, pleasure. Uh, great. Okay. For everyone who is not yet a subscriber to the YPM magazine, click the link in the show notes for your free 30-day trial. And we will see you all soon. Take care for now, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.